day, good day, good day to you all. I can't believe it's already been a whole week since we last chitty chatted. Um, as good as a mood I'm in right now, you want to know how I got woken up this morning? So last night, in an effort to be a good brother and flatmate, I decided to prep the coffee. Um, <laughs> and I set it for 7 a.m. this morning on a timer so it would be ready when we both woke up. Anyways, I woke up this morning too. This coffee is transparent as fuck. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, sorry, Quinn. Yes, Quinn, I'll do better next time. Like, I, I try to do my best, and he just pooed right all over it. And that wasn't even the first time that I got absolutely just reamed for my coffee making skills this week. Little brothers are the worst. Oh, also, if you let me, one more quick thing that I, whatever. So I got back from my cousin's wedding in Minnesota this week, right? I had a wonderful time. Don't get me wrong. But guess what? Like half an hour before the actual wedding ceremony starts, like people are seating, right? A bunch of us get a text from the groom, my cousin Tom, asking if anyone has a belt. Because he forgot his. Of course, I happily gave mine up for the guy. But once everyone went home at the end of the night, I didn't see him again, got on a plane, left. So here I am, back on the East Coast now, currently holding my pants up with some fraying rope that I found in a shed, like a wannabe skater. But I mean, who forgets a belt on their wedding day? Haven't we? all been preparing for months it's like one of the seven things i brought with me in my backpack belt pants shoes shirt and whatever else the toothbrush <sighs> anyways that's my quick rant On a happier note, and uh, zero segue whatsoever, the new Exorcist movie with Russell Crowe on Netflix is phenomenal. Like, I'm not religious, uh, <clears throat> but damn, that Exorcist movie, so good. So good. I watched it on my flight home uh, from Minnesota this week, and I was like, just praying it wasn't going to end. It almost made me believe again, you know? Okay. So if you have been listening, it will come as no surprise that I'm going to talk about yet another German serial killer today. And if you haven't been around, first of all, welcome to the show. This is Murder in the Morning. I'm your host, Eli. And I have recently become obsessed with German murderers. There's simply so many of them that I haven't heard of, and I will continue to pump these out for those who feel the same. You know, I was going to skip over my sources for today because I didn't want to be completely truthful. Because uh, honestly, I got every single thing today from Wikipedia, and I didn't want to say that, but... I have this uh, picture of Gibby 
from iCarly holding banana staring at me and it's just urging me to be truthful today. So Wikipedia. Moving on. <laughs> Typically when choosing a case to cover, I like to read the story and make sure it's interesting enough to dive in and share with each one of you. But sometimes there is just a really catchy name that rolls right off the tongue. And that's kind of how I choose every once in a while, uh, including today. Plus, today's story correlates with one major aspect of the show. Murder can be enjoyed or feared no matter what time of day. I present to you Germany's own The Midday Murderer. Born during the prime of Germany on September 1st, 1940, Klaus Gossmann, or Gossmann, was essentially a failure his entire life, from day one and on. I will give it to him, though. It wasn't entirely from lack of trying, and I normally wouldn't feel just okay saying that, obviously, about anybody, but given the circumstances, I think we'll all agree. So his father died during the war when he was only five. So growing up only with a brother and a mother to care for him, he didn't really have that father figure. And maybe that was crucial to how he developed. But who knows? Near the end of elementary school, he failed this important exam, resulting in him repeating a year and ultimately leaving that school. Uh, moving on to secondary school or secondary school, he ended up graduating in 1962. And then afterwards, Klaus here tried his hand at uh, college level economics. Before long, though, he, quote, discontinued his education, which either means he failed out or he just wasn't feeling it. I don't know. Finally, in 1964, two years later, at the age of 24, he, quote, volunteered as a candidate officer and moved. After training with various pioneer units in and around Munich, he repeatedly sought his own dismissal. Odd. And when this failed, he ended up deserting in April of 1965 and hence lived, oh, excuse me, and henceforth lived under false names in and around Nuremberg, end quote. So basically, now the same age that I am, or a year younger, he was a deserter of the army and living under fake identities. Not the best start to his young adult life. And then his eventual slip into the abyss came in 1965, when just before noon, just before midday, Klaus decided to rob a department store in Nuremberg. Quote, after trying to steal a customer's purse, several passerbys pursued him. Police arrested Klaus after a shootout in which he killed one man and severely injured two others, end quote. So right now, to us, it appears that his career as a criminal had begun and ended that very same day. But you see, he had been living a double life for years up until this point. Years, I say. Throughout his years in secondary school and the short time he spent at university, Klaus had been committing these types of heinous crimes left and right. Let me take you back to the beginning again. Uh, this time, however, with a fresh set of eyes, a new perspective. Almost certainly not his first crime, but his first murder occurred on April 22nd of 1960 at the ripe age of 20. Just after 12 p.m., 
Klaus broke into a retired lady's apartment looking for, they said, loot, (laughs) which I thought was funny. And when the woman screamed for help, both her fiancé and a flatmate rushed in. Klaus turned, raised a pistol, and immediately shot the two dead. Thankfully, he fled quickly and without harming the woman. Despite it being the 1960s, police were absolutely on top of this investigation from the get-go. After giving a description of the man from the surviving victim, investigators sent out the perp's info to all of the police in the Nuremberg area and even the surrounding cities. Investigators responded to hundreds of tips and calls, even rummaging through thousands of old previous case files. And sadly, after a year of hard work, the police literally had nothing except for IDing the murder weapon as a, a small pistol. No suspect, no leads, nothing. But this only seemed to motivate investigators, however. In 1961, while Klaus was still in secondary school, they ramped things up to an entirely new level. Quote, the investigators launched one of the largest manhunt operations in the history of the Federal Republic. All men born in 1939 or 1940 who had lived in Nuremberg at the time of the crime were examined. A total of 50,336 people. 50,336 people. The officers also questioned 1,174 men from the dating agency where the surviving homeowner worked. End quote. Like, holy shit. That is a lot. That's basically just under 55,000 people they investigated. Quick pat on the back for those uh, police and investigators. And yet, nothing. They received nothing from this extensive effort. The next year, Mr. Midday Murderer over here strikes again. In September of 1962. Klaus enters a store in Oakenbrook, oops, my voice crack, sorry, Oakenbrook, Germany, armed with a pistol. He then proceeds to rob the store of 3,000 Deutschmark, Deutsch, Deutschmark, which in today's money, 2023, is literally $1,600. And this was back in 1960-ish. Even after robbing the store, Klaus decides to shoot and kill the owner anyway. Only two months later now, on November 30th, Midday Murderer enters a bank office right around noon in another robbery attempt. At this location, he, quote, shot dead a retiree who did not seem aware of the robbery and had reached into his breast pocket to get a pair of glasses, end quote. I think we can all see a pattern forming here. He isn't doing these robberies just for the money now is he a few months later as investigators continued to work on his previous robberies robberies previous robberies and killings klaus had no intention of slowing down in march of 1963 mophead murder boy enters a gun shop and proceeds to shoot the owner and his mother during the robbery police Thankfully and luckily, at this scene, we're able to connect the pistol casings to the two to two of his previous shootings. They were now very much aware that they had a serial killer on the loose. I I really want to tell you, like right now, his lame ass excuses for all these murders, but I have to wait till the end. Okay, 
So his final murder in Nuremberg takes us full circle. The day he shot it out with the police, killing one, uh, injuring two, and eventually finding himself under arrest. That day. Okay. So once under interrogation, Klaus initially denied all of his previous crimes. Too bad for him, though, because he was found with three pistols in his possession, which police were able to link to every single one of those robberies and murders. Dummy here didn't even try to hide his murder weapons. I mean, that's one-on-one. When confronted with the clearly damning evidence, Klaus crumbled and confessed to everything. Um, So blah, 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 blah. He did it. I mean, we know what he did. He just entered the store, took the money, and killed people. But this is what I got really excited to tell you about earlier. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, wow. This is a little bit shorter than I had thought. Whatever. Bonus episode. Okay. So when investigators asked about why he had to kill basically everyone during the robberies, even when he was only there for, quote, money or loot, this is what that scum dumper said. For the first murder of the, um, of the old lady's friends, he said this, quote, They came rushing at me like savages. Since I absolutely wanted to ward off his attack, I therefore fired a third time at the man, end quote. So it looks like he fired twice, missed, and then continued to fire until he killed those people. Because they were the savages. And in regards to the bank robbery, he claimed, quote, when I came to the bank and pulled the pistol out, all they had to do was pick up their cash. If they did not do that, it was their own fault if I had to shoot them. End quote. He's, so he's, <laughs> the guy he killed at the bank wasn't a teller. The, he wasn't the, the guy that he was pointing the gun at initially. He was a retiree who didn't even know that the robbery was happening. He just shot a random man reaching for his glasses because he wanted to kill people. And then finally, uh, for his last murder and subsequent arrest after the department store shooting, Klaus here said, quote, I was afraid that I would be captured and yet had to shoot in self-defense, end quote. Which, in and of itself, doesn't really make sense as a sentence, let alone an excuse for murder. Plus, he was captured anyway. Like, either way, he fucked that up. His excuse was he didn't want to be captured, but he allowed himself to be captured. (sighs) After it was all said and done, on July 27, 1967, Klaus was sentenced to life in prison for five murders and three particularly serious cases of robbery. Quote, the first double murder was not negotiated because he, could, because he had committed it before his 21st birthday, end quote. Which maybe back then was their cutoff for adulthood? I'm not quite sure. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't take the time to look it up. My apologies. It's kind of funny, though, because at least currently, it's legal to drink at 18 in Germany, Austria, and basically all of Europe, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But for a double murder in 1960, it's just, eh, whatever. Like, it doesn't count. You were under 21. That seems a bit backwards to me. And before I, oh, ouch, 
I just hit my finger on the freaking desk. Before I forget, this bit right here is my favorite part, simply because of how anticlimactic it is. Quote, the secret of the midday crimes were also, were also solved. Klaus was not an early riser and needed the morning for his preparations. End quote. <laughs> like, what? A, I mean, I'm not the biggest morning person, but he needed until noon to prep a gun and choose somewhere to rob. Bit of a loser. Uh, that's, I mean, oof. Yeah, that was a quick one today. I wrote here at the end. Well, this was happening yesterday when I was writing it, but I was, my inner monologue was stuck doing a terrible British accent. And I, like, even when writing, it started to come out like, like theater. I spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E. And I had never done that before. It was, but it was really starting to, to wank me. So tell me. Do you folks like these more obscure stories or would you prefer shorter retellings of more classic killers like Jeffrey Dom Dom or Education Kemper? <laughs> Please let me know. Uh, oh, and I'm well over a thousand plays now. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And as always, thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of your eardrums. Okie dokie. I love you. Have a good day. Goodbye.